Welcome to the channel tribe. This episode is a part of IAMA series. In this episode, we are having Santosh to put talking on learning about learning security testing. Hey guys, this is AMA session with me, which is about learning about learning security testing. I will just wait for a few more minutes so that people can join in. Let's see who would be the first one to join. I hope this is working. I don't see anyone yet. Hey, Nishant. There we go, Shubham. I feel, I feel good now because there are some members joining in. I was thinking maybe it's not yet 10 p.m. Hello, everyone. Hey, Lucky. Hey, Naveen. Great, let's, let's wait for some more people and I will wait for Mahesh to tell me when I can start. I'm thinking that there are some people, maybe they are partying because it's Saturday night. Yeah, so let's wait for four to five minutes for members to join in and then we can get started. Thanks, Mahesh. Hey, Neeraj. 
if you guys had any other questions, you can just post it here. And whenever you have doubts or even questions about my answers, you can just post it here. Hey, Ajay, what's up, brother? Um, yes, that's a secret code word between Ajay and me. And that's again YM. Hi Deepak, thank you for your question. I will answer it once we start off. Just so you guys know that I will be speaking uh, in a very simple language. I wouldn't use a lot of uh, technical jargon so that you don't get confused because the context of this AMS session is learning about learning security testing for newbies, whoever is new to security testing or they're interested to learn more about it or know where to start from and not feel scared about it. Yeah. Right, Anis, thank you for that. Yeah, I'll be focusing that mostly on where to start from and where to get going and what you'll be learning in future once you start off.
Thank you for the thumbs up, guys. Thanks, Nikita. Thanks, Preeti. I, will, I, will, I would like to see more thumbs up. Thank you. <clears throat> Great. Mahesh, should we shut should we start off? Or do you want to wait? What do you mean by DM? The Twitter? Right. So Got it. Great guys, I think we'll get started. So uh, I hope your day was good. And my day was a bit tiring because I'm doing a babysitting for my two doggies here. And yeah, I think we are good to start now. So speaking about myself, uh, for those who don't know about me, I guess most of you know me. Uh, I have been a tester for, wait, I have been a passionate tester for uh, nearly 10 years now. I, uh, when I started during 2008, I did not know there was something called as testing. And since then, okay, I'll, I'll let you know how I got into testing. It was by choice and not necessarily by chance. Uh, so whatever I have done in my life, I have been uh, rational about it. And then also I have been driven by my inner guidance, like following my heart as always. And so is security testing as well. Uh, that's how it became part of me. and. I also run a company which is called as Test Insane, where we test for security, functional, automation, performance, or any other qualities of software. And uh, I think, okay, we can start off with the first question. What I have done is I have uh, rearranged these questions 
based on the context because it will give you a better idea rather than mixing up the questions and directly going to some technical part. So first question I have picked is uh, from Neeraj. So the question is, how did you start with security testing and what are your crucial lessons learned during the journey? That's a great question because if you don't know how my experience was, it doesn't help you connect with my answers going forward. So let me uh, take you back to my experience when I started security testing and how did I start? So let's rewind and this was about my childhood days when I was 12. And when I was 12, I did not even know there were computers because my father uh, did not get me one because he even did not know there were computers. And what happened when I was 12, I first got introduced to a computer in uh, some course because my father thought that, okay, this kid is being spoiled by playing a lot of cricket and that's why let me put him into some computer course and i thank him a lot today that he introduced me to com me to computers i went to the course and there was my instructor who was teaching me dos commands the disk operating system like creating directories okay removing and then changing directories and everything and that did not get me uh, my interest, my first impression. Well, I was liking it though, but the higher priority for me was to play games. So they had some uh, games like Prince of Persia, not the high definition one, but the older one, which was a black and white. And I started playing that game, I got addicted. And also I used to uh, learn the DOS commands and slowly, the DOS commands became my priority. And I finished the whole course in like one week instead of 30 days. And next 21 days or 23 days, I used to play games. And my instructor used to think, oh, this, this guy is practicing a lot. And he used, he used to have a girlfriend and he used to speak with her a lot of time during the course. And I was really happy because he used to go out and I used to play games. And whenever he used to come back, I used to tell him, hey, look, I, I have been learning it a lot. And I scored A plus and he was happy. My dad was happy. And then moving on, okay, I was 16. And that's when I got to know internet because some of my friends said, hey, you know what? Okay, you can, you can watch this porn movies. That's how I got introduced to internet. And I think most of us, I've got introduced to internet through porn movies. And once that happened, uh, my interest got shifted to internet relay chat, which was, which is an old school uh, kind of a messenger. So there I started meeting uh, some of the people from different countries like Israel, Pakistan, and uh, even from some U European uh, hackers. And from them, I started to learn some things like, okay, how can you start hacking? Because I did not know what hacking was, but there was someone said, hacking, I hacked into this application. And I was like, what is this hacking? That's where my journey started. I started looking on web, on Google search, what is it? 
And the biggest problem then was my dad uh, did not get me an internet connection. So I used to go to internet cafe and work from there. When I say work from there, I used to chat a lot with different people around the globe. And I thought it may be good if I got internet connection back at home. And that was the first time I used the IOPUS password recovery, which will, what it do is, uh, we, we used to have a dial-up connections before. And if you remember, we uh, had a username and a password with a checkbox which said, remember my password. And by default, these internet cafes used to have it checked. What I did was I downloaded IOPUS password uh, recovery for free. And what you need to do is just drag the key to the password field and it will tell you whatever is behind those stars or asterisk. And from there, I was so excited because I got the credentials of a dial-up connection of Internet Cafe. And what I did was I used that username and password during night times from 12 o'clock in the midnight until 5 in the morning using my telephone line at home. And I was using their internet because if I use it in the daytime, they would get suspicious and they would start investigating who is this guy connecting to our internet because you can't have a two connections at the same time because one had to disconnect. And that was my first hack, but actually that's where I call it as a script kitty because script kiddies are uh, not necessarily uh, intelligent hackers, but these are uh, the kids like me when I was 16, when you use some tools, click on them, like point and click, and then gain something and start using it, using them for your own gains. So then I moved my uh, interest in web application security and hacking mobile apps. And that's how I got into security testing. And also, I faced a lot of problems during this journey from 16 to 21. You see that, okay, that's, that's your teenage, and then you do a lot of stupid things, and it, I did not even know about laws. And there have been some times when some people called me and they said, okay, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I think I also got a call from the cops once, and I was scared. And for a few months, I did not do anything on security. And then I, uh, but then once it was old news, I again started doing the same thing. So how I started my journey was being unethical hacker. I used to hack my friend's account. I used to hack my ex-girlfriend's account. I, has, I used to hack my ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend's account. And it was quite funny, because, and I wouldn't do it today, but that was a driving force because those days my brain was used to not think about the laws, what could happen. It was just driven by, oh, this is the guy who hates me and that's why I, I need to hack this account. And I used to hack email accounts. I used to hack a social media accounts through social engineering. And guys, most of us, whoever wants to be a security, uh, uh, testers or ethical hackers think that social engineering is boring. I think it's exciting. If you think about Kevin Metnick, who is like uh, 
a father of hacking, he started his hacking employing the social engineering attacks and then uh, hacking someone's uh, account or using the telephone for free and he wouldn't get any bill. So that's how he used to do it. So social engineering was my great skill because I used to watch them when they used to speak, like their facial expressions or uh, how, their answers and, and other lot many things. Okay guys, hold on. Well, just let me look into the comments just to be synchronized with what you guys are thinking. That's cool, you guys are laughing. Laughing is good. So, so uh, yeah. Yeah, going to girlfriends, boyfriends, friends account. I also used to get uh, some money from my friends because hacking their girlfriend's account because they were suspicious. Okay, she's always busy or one of my friends, she used to come to me and say, I used to call him at 11.30 and he's busy. And I don't get it why he's so busy. And I used to tell them, hey, look, okay, this is the charge. I will hack their email account, but you need to give me so much money. And it was not like 1,000 rupees or even 10,000 or anything. They were just like 30 rupees, Indian rupees, or 50 Indian rupees, where I would enjoy that money treating my friends so, uh, and okay, let me look into the question. Okay, the lessons that I learned during this journey was uh, know the laws because uh, I may be landed in jail, but my father did help me sometimes to not be landed in jail. And also, uh, what the other lessons was I became aware of the laws but I did not stop there. That's the interesting part. Now I will connect this story to some of the questions that people asked me here. I did not say I'm scared now and I will stop hacking. Because if I had stopped, I don't think so. Uh, I would be whatever I am today because I listened to my uh, intuition, okay? I listened to my visceral inside and it was always telling me there is something just keep going ahead because in my heart i knew that i'm not doing something bad well apart from hacking the boyfriends girlfriends accounts all those things i stopped doing them that was a learning i did not do them and but i still continued hacking but not for money not for uh, not any of uh, the people who hated me or something I went to the next level where I started hacking for my satisfaction in terms of learning. I did not do it for money because when I used to hack, it's like a billion dollar uh, satisfaction to me, even though I don't earn any money from that. So that's how it started. And I started teaching other people, my students. All right, okay. So I have a sub question from my answers here which is what is social engineering now uh, social engineering is manipulative i mean manipulation of uh, minds so let's say i have a hidden agenda and i ask you navin hey when is your birthday and what you start telling is you just don't tell me your birthday you also tell me Hey, look, okay, uh, my sun sign is this. Okay, do you believe in this astrology? Okay, do you believe 
uh, this comes on this day. Are you going to give me a gift? I like this kind of gift. So you are basically giving me a lot of information when I just asked you, what is your birthday? So your question could be, why are you asking that? If I'm a new person to you and I'm not really your close friend, but maybe I, bec I become your close friend, I'm trying to manipulate you. And I ask certain questions like, which bank do you use? Okay, then you say HDFC bank. And then I ask you, and I go to your HDFC bank, and I go to your security question, and it says, what is my pet's, I mean, what is your pet's name, the first pet's name, right? So what I will do is I'll come back to you and say, hey, do you like pets? As you have had pet, because you have chosen that security question, I, I know, okay, you like pets. And you are like, oh yes, I love pets, I have one. Because when you are happy, when your brain is happy, you always tend to give more information to people. And I will say, oh, what's your dog's name? Okay, did you have any dogs before? Or since when do you have dogs or any pets, like cats or anything? Oh, what was its name? And then you say, okay, it was Rocky. Okay, now I just got your answer to your security question. And you don't even know, because when you created your HCFC bank security question or any account security question, it was before three years or two years. So that's social engineering. And <clears throat> so how it relates to security, uh, can you please tell me something about social engineering and how it relates to security? I think <clears throat> I just spoke about HDFC bank. So now I spoke about the security question and how you can do social engineering with people and get an answer and inject it back into your software, wherever your security question is. And now that's a software security problem because what is your first pet's name is not really a good security question. They're not, and, and sometimes people say, what's your favorite color? I mean, are you really serious about this? Because colors are finite set. I would say yellow, red, or blue, anything, and they're a finite number because we are not speaking about colors in RGB values or hexadecimal values. So there are finite set and you all you can do is use your selenium, not only selenium or automate in any ways using Python. And then you can keep entering all those color names and finally you get the answer. So that's how it relates social engineering relates to your security. And also you need to be aware what kind of features are we, <coughs> sorry, developing and can they be compromised with social engineering? That's the question we need to ask for some of the features that we have that we write code for in our applications. So I hope I answered that. All right. So do you have any sub questions related to social engineering now? Or the first question from Neeraj? I'll just give you 30 seconds time if you have any questions about that. Okay, let me, let me tell you about some of the social engineering uh, tricks that you can use. For instance, in your company or anywhere you go, you want to hack your friend's account and you are sitting in Starbucks and you want to know what's the Facebook password of your friend's account. What you do is watch their hands 
this is social engineering again. So what you do is, when they're typing, there are three things, first row, second row, and third row, if it's a QWERTY keyboard. Now QWERTY starts from the first row, second row, ASDF, and then all other alphabets. Now if that person is using, whenever that person opens a Facebook, because you will see the screen, because screen is bigger now, and the keys are vertical, while uh, uh, the, the screen, okay, is faced towards you. And then that person is typing their password and you just wash their hands. Is it in the first row, second, or third one? And then if that person is using two fingers, uh, probably it's a special character now in the password. So that's how you get to understand that, okay, these are the combinations. And if that person is re has really a slow typing speed, you can get it more quickly. Like they are typing one hand, one hand. Okay, you know whether there are eight characters or uh, ten characters. So, for instance, okay, let me uh, let me uh, help you guys. Uh, just a moment. I'm watching the comments. Right. Okay, this is a question for you all, and I want you to type in your answers here so that I can demonstrate some of the things and how you can set your password strong way. How many of you have your Facebook password? Not more than 10 characters, they are between eight and 10. Can you please comment here? And someone who has between 10 and 15. and someone who has between 15 and 20. Can I get some comments here? All right, 10 to 15, eight to 10. And the test tribe, that should be Mahesh. Yes, I have 14 characters, 10 to 15, 10, less than 10. Shubham, when you say less than 10, is it 8 to 10 or 6 to 10 or 6 to 8? Oh, I hope you won't hack. Okay, that was a good one. All right, secret, secret. I appreciate that. So guys, whoever commented here, and my question is, why were you answering my question? Because what I'm trying to do here is social engineering. But what I will do is, I will not even say about this, and tomorrow I'll come near you, and you are typing your password, which is around eight characters, and I keep watching your keyboard, whether it has special characters or not. Now, Shubham, you have really helped me by reducing the combinations coming back to six to eight. Now this is social engineering. Why are you giving me your password length? Now this is bad. I can use it for my activity and I can hack by learning more about you guys. So this is social engineering example. And also if you are in your office, if someone got a credit card, all right? If you wanna know that pin number, all you need to do is because many people give uh, the office address to receive their credit card uh, 
uh, account details. And when you get this pin number, you see the pin number on that paper and you, it says destroy this paper. And the way you destroy it is, okay, four pieces and put it in the dustbin. And let's say I love garbage, which I do. So this is called a dumpster diving attack in, under social engineering. I will go to your dustbin when you go to a cafeteria and I'll pick all the trash and I will get only all these four pieces from your credit card pin number. And it's, it will be surprising to me that only one of the piece from your four pieces of the paper had all your pin numbers. That's the way you destroyed it. That's not destroying it, okay? You need to really take care of that. So that is dumpster diving. And one more way where you were seeing someone type on the keyboard was shoulder surfing. So surfing to the shoulders. And uh, there are many other uh, social engineering which you may want to uh, learn about uh, uh, from Kevin Metnick does it really well. And I follow, follow Kevin Metnick uh, on social engineering. Great, okay, I think, okay, this was a long enough one because I have a lot to talk about. So Shubham, change your password, bro. <laughs> Probably you need to because six to eight is very short one. Okay, so let me try to get, so Deepak, Deepak Kumar Das says you can't hack. Well, that's challenging. But I wouldn't hack until and unless I, I, I feel challenged because if I was somewhere around 20 or 18 and if it was my ex-girlfriend's boyfriend, I would hack it. So let me... Vishal says I answered wrong, but maybe you're trying to manipulate my mind, but I still go ahead with whatever you said as the right one. But Vishal, if you were in front of me, it would be much easier for me to tell whether you said it right or wrong because your expressions on the face tell me more information than just your text-based. So that's the physiological expressions, social engineering. That's the hack, all right. So let me, we have other questions as well. Let me try to copy some of them. Okay, I, I will just move on to the next. Question, as a manual tester, from where I can start to learn security testing? From Lucky Jane. So I would like to replace this, I mean, rephrase this question as, as a human being, from where I can start to learn security testing? Because when I was a kid, I was not a manual tester. And first of all, I don't believe in manual tester because I just call myself tester because there's nothing called as manual programming or you don't call a doctor who is performing the operation as a manual doctor. So there are only two things, the testing and automation. And some people have this uh, analogy where they say test automation, but I think that it's check automation and testing. Testing and automation are two different things. However, check automation assists check the testing. For instance, I wanted to uh, automate grabbing all the phone numbers from a web page. What I will do is I'll parse everything 
I'll get all the phone numbers. Now I will test on that list of phone numbers. So to get the list of phone numbers, I'm automating, but that is helping my testing. So I would see it as someone who is helping me. So if you want to know more about testing versus checking, I think you can uh, refer to uh, testing versus checking from Michael Bolton on developsense.com. So that's where you can learn more about how, what's the difference. So anyways, coming back to from where I can start to learn security testing. I think you can start to learn just by watching people around you. You can start watching people around you in ways like start questioning them and trying to manipulate them and also start thinking like criminal. Now people are thinking, what is it telling? Okay, is he encouraging us to be criminals or uh, commit crimes? No, I'm not saying that. All you can do is you can help your brain to think like a black hat hacker. Now that could be through uh, trying to manipulate and extracting the inf information from your friend, which is sensitive. And uh, it could be uh, something like, how can I breach this physical infrastructure? How can I get into this company? And how can I let the security guard allow me inside the company? For instance, it could be, uh, I can print the ID card and show it to the security guard and say, because you can print them. And there are different levels of security. There is a security guard who, who sits outside. You show the ID, get into the first level. Now you have to swipe there now, right? What you do is you dress really well. And what you do is if, and when during the lunchtime, people are getting inside, swiping their uh, IDs and getting inside to the floor one, floor two, ground floor, wherever they want to. What you do is tailgating. You follow someone when the door is open. And when you get into the group, people don't usually question. Only when you are walking behind someone who is alone, they question more. And this is a, a psychological, which is called as bystander effect. Now the bystander effect, that's why whenever two people are fighting uh, in the crowd, and there's, there are many people around you who are just watching two people fight, that doesn't make them bad because it's psychological. Because people don't really go and stop someone fighting when there are many people around you. you. You kind of feel, okay, no, I don't want to go. That, you can read more about it uh, by saying bystander effect. So that, that one you can also apply even in your office to, uh, to just go into uh, uh, some floor. And from once you get in, what you do is, if that company has a lot of teams, you go to someone and say, Hey, look, I'm from this team. Can I get help from you? Can I get the credentials from this? What you do is, okay, you take all the credentials and you get out uh, uh, of the uh, office and then, okay, you start using it from the outside the office. So that's how you can start learning the security testing. Now you may be surprised that, uh, uh, lucky that, well, this looks kind of boring, but this is where you start from. You can directly go and say, okay, I want to start. Okay, let me look into the HTTP requests and responses here. And let me look into the OWASP top 10. 
Let me look into the authentication, authorization, cross-site scripting, or XSRF attacks, or other things. But I think it's a mindset that comes first, rather than uh, the, the technology. Once you start having the mindset of a criminal, well, you don't commit one. So it's, it, you can always practice by watching movies, which are like Sherlock Holmes, the series on Netflix, and also you, you may want to watch Darknet episode, and also Die Hard movies. And there's one more movie called as Swordfish. Uh, and currently what I'm doing on my Netflix is, uh, I mean, uh, from maybe last three days, I'm watching this uh, Netflix episode called as Scorpion. Well, in Scorpion and all these movies, you may find it that people are trying to hack. And this guy is saying, hey, bro, I got this done. Okay, just give me five minutes. Okay, I'm done. I have hacked into this network. I have hacked into mainframes. No, this is all bullshit okay it doesn't work that way but all you can do is when you're watching this you can watch them speak and also try to understand why they are doing it in terms of social engineering and software security because some people uh like mr robot they speak about a lot of tools there how they are trying to uh, get into the network how are, how are they trying to do social engineering on technology like what kind of servers are you using? What kind of database are you using? And uh, what kind of technology stack is it PHP? What kind of versions are you using? Knowing all this information, what you can do is you can have best attack vectors. Now attack vectors are like, uh, uh, once you have the information, what kind of attack I need to have. Guys, I don't want to confuse you with the jargons now, so I'll put it in simple words. Having a lot of information, you know how to attack something. Without having information, you, all you are doing is blind attacks. For example, SQL injection. When the database is MySQL, you're using tools like SQL map or uh, something else uh, like uh, MS SQL, Microsoft SQL payloads in your Bob suite and trying to inject them again and again. But it wouldn't work because it's MySQL database, not Microsoft SQL. They differ. So knowing all this uh, intel, the information, gathering all this information, okay, you can do better attacks and you can be productive in your attacks as a tester. So gather the information as much as you can and watch a lot of movies, uh, which are hacking movies, and then read a lot on blogs. Start from day one, how the first hack was done. Maybe Kevin Mitnick. And there's a book called as Hacking for Dummies. It's not advanced book, but it's a good book to start off. It's, it's in simple words. Okay, you will get to know a lot of outdated tools, but they can still be helpful. So reading a lot of books like, I wouldn't tell, go to the advanced. So this, 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 these books, or these movies will be the starting point. And once you get there, I think your mind, the brain is working well now because you know how to extract information and then comes the tools. And once you get into the tools, it's not about this tool or that tool. It may be the simple tool and then tomorrow you will get to know, oh, this is a better tool now, this is faster, do that. And after you do that, then you say, 
okay, let me club the Zap proxy with the Bob Suite. It's not about uh, uh, saying, okay, I'll use only this one or this one because your Zap proxy allows to chain your Bob with Zap. So I, I think, okay, there was one of the question we spoke about Zap proxy and your Bob Suite. I think it's not which one is better. I think both of them are better because there are some cases where people found difficulties with Bob Suite in terms of SSL er errors and to achieve some goal and they use Zap proxy. And what you can do is you can use the best of both the worlds. Use Zap, Burp, chain them and use them. It doesn't do any harm or uh, it doesn't reduce your performance. And uh, let me come back. Uh, I'm just looking into the questions. All right, when are you coming to India? Uh, uh, well, I'm not in India. Someone responded on behalf of me. Let me speak for myself, please. So <laughs> I am currently in Romania and I would be coming to India um, in October or November. Just follow me on my Facebook. That's how we get to know. So starting point, I think I'm clear with that. SSL with burp wasn't an issue. I know this. It's not an issue because you can always have your CS cert. But I have read some posts okay, where they had issues. I, I don't know about the details. But yes, SSL works with your CS certificate. Okay, you go to HTTP, then burp, install the certificate, and SSL, you can always do that. That's not a problem. So all I'm saying is there could be some problems between two things. Why not use both of them if there is an option? Great. Uh, thanks, Lucky. I, I have more to speak about it. I can still have a call with you and speak about them. Let, let me please suggest some blocks to follow on. Okay, I will, I will take this and I'll tell you in the end. Now, let me go to the next question. What should be the roadmap to learn security testing? I, I think I... Uh, answered it because Lucky's question was similar. So I will again recap movies, blogs, uh, read books, and then get on to your OWASP. And OWASP is again a reading material. Start from OWASP cheat sheets. Go to OWASP.com uh, or .org, if I'm not wrong. Uh, once you go there, Control F, or just do a Command F if, if you are on Mac, just type in OWASP or cheat sheets. Click on there and you will find a lot of cheat sheets and that will give you a lot of uh, test ideas. I mean, those are your test ideas, like some of you call it as test cases, but I like to call them as test ideas, just a preference of mine. And so, so go there and just start using them in your application. What happens when I do this? What happens when I do that so use them and then once you go there go to the advanced level you just don't stop there because your web application security is different and your network security is different and start using different tools don't rely only on one tool saying okay this is the god tool i will this will help me solve every problem of mine in security my my only question is uh, 
if people thought security testing can be automated, you are wrong. Because security testing cannot be automated, but security checking coin can be automated. That's why I say these tools are checkers. Whenever you say I'm using scanners, passive scanners, like it goes and says, your JavaScript or your jQuery is out of date, okay? Your versions are out of date. Your IIS server is out of date. Now, these are passive scanning even in your Bob Suite, where it gives you a list of things which says, your cookies are not using HTTP only or secure flag. Now, these are the checks. Now, when Bob Suite tells you, cookies, go to, I mean, I mean tells you, okay, it is not HTTP only or secure flag. I'll just tell you, okay, what is HTTP only flag, okay? In your application, if you don't have HTTP only flag set for your cookies, it means it's JavaScript can access your cookie values. So to avoid stealing of cookies, you add HTTP only flag. And the secure flag means your cookies uh, have to be transmitted over SSL or security. That's why these two flags are, uh, they, they are kind of security for your cookies. And even if you have a cross-site scripting uh, attack, they cannot uh, steal your cookie values because they have HTTP only. That's, that's how you stop this cookie hijacking and then people will be able to use your cookie values and then directly log in. So, and, and, and that doesn't mean that you should, you should uh, not have defense mechanism against your cross-site scripting. You need to have a HTML encoding, JavaScript encoding, or your server-side encoding and database encoding as well. So uh, I think that we answered that. Guys, just give me 30 seconds or a minute. I'm just going through these questions. Uh, all right, what was your toughest hack? Okay. I think I will go with Vishal's question, which is, what was your toughest hack in terms of time consuming? I think this was uh, hacking the admin panel of a web application, which was uh, from the educational domain. So these guys had a, a web application where there would be students could register and there's admin and there are teachers. So you see there's a student role and then there are uh, teachers and then there are admins. So everyone had a different uh, authorization. So what, what I tried to do was uh, 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 do a cross, I identified that there was a cross-site scripting attack in their third-party component, which is uh, sending a message. So in the web application, there was a feature called a send message. In this message, it was using, I think, tiny MCE editor, which is a third party component, which people just integrate in their application and you can use a text area and there were text controls like make the text bold, add the image in the, in the text area and everything. Basically a text editor inside the application. So I found out that there was an image based cross-site scripting. You could use an image insertion and uh, image tag basically, and also add a cross-site scripting attack, uh, I mean, payload. 
once I got this, okay, now I wanted to exploit this and I did not know how to uh, uh, make sure my developers will understand the severity or uh, how scary that security bug was. What I did there was I sent the Ajax script and then I identified, does this mail, uh, I mean message go even to the admins? What I did was I sent a message to the admin and I framed, I mean, I wrote my Ajax script and the Ajax script, okay, would send a post request, which will, which was create, which was about creating one more admin. Now what I did was, okay, I, I gave an alert box in the script, my JavaScript, which I customized uh, in that cross-site scripting using the image feature. And I sent it to the admin. Once it went to the admin, he opened that. Uh, once that uh, person opened my message, there was an alert message saying, okay, welcome to the mail. And that admin thought probably, oh wow, this is a new feature which the developers have written, but actually that was sent by me. And once that person clicks on okay, the post request to create one more admin is sent to the server. And uh, with my username and my password, whichever I sent in the Ajax script. What I do next is I just log in as admin and then delete all of the admins and delete all the students. And now, okay, it's, it's, it's compromised totally. That was not my toughest hack, but current, there, there are many, many uh, like that. And there were other toughest where I took like three hours. I cannot recollect it them now because I am kind of <laughs> agitated with the kind of different questions coming in here. Uh, but I hope that was a nice one. Okay, guys, I'm I'm going back to some of the questions uh, which guys posted before, and I'll start taking every question later. As a beginner, if someone wants to practice individual attacks, they're learning. Where can they practice those apart from OWASP related release apps like WebGoat by Mahesh? Well, uh, I don't find a bad reason to not use OWASP web code or anything. I think, okay, you can still do them, uh, but they can be quite uh, technically uh, difficult sometimes because they usually start with this top 10 attacks, like cross-site scripting and everything. What I would tell is, uh, Start from smaller things like hackthissite.org. I'm just going to, yeah, it's hackthissite.org or .com. So there are different, I found that I used to use them when I was uh, in my teenage, I guess, or 20, 21 or something. So they're, they're really different, okay? They guide you, they give you hints because it's really important for you to, uh, I mean, help your brain to practice because it's just like an exercise. It's a brain gym. You have a different kind of exercises and start from low level to high level. And the other apps could be, uh, depends on whether you're testing web application or uh, mobile apps. And mobile apps could be the Android, one of the thing, one of the app, app is, it's called Diva, which is damn insecure, vulnerable app. Why by Asim Zakar. 
And uh, the other things could be, you, you have something called Hack Me Bank by McAfee Sites. So there are many other uh, practice sites by McAfee Hack Me Sites. And there, there are uh, other things like, the advanced level can be hackthebox.eu. Uh, and the next one is uh, hackthis.co.uk. Yeah, I think these are good. Okay, don't, don't I mean, it, it's, don't get into everything, but start practicing the mindset. That's how I would say, because if you don't have ideas, I don't think so. Any tool would help you better because you would always end up in doing the same things by scanning things, doing the same set of attacks. You are not being creative. If you want to be creative, then focus on the mindset. It's all about mindset because the thieves watch people. They come near your home. They think about what's the time these guys are getting out of home and what's, I mean, when do they come home and are they going uh, out of home? What time do they come in? What time do they go out? I have, uh, there is a funny application, which is awesome, which is called as pleaserobme.com or something like that. Now, what this does is you just need to give you a Twitter handle or uh, any Twitter handle you, you give. It scans for all the tweets on your Twitter and gives you a list of people whoever is on vacation and which means hey look i'm going on vacation with my family for one month or one week or three days please rob me please rob my home so that's what you are telling on social media so there are tools okay which can parse your data get profiling all the users and say these are the address of people let's go and drop their home so so, so these are the ideas that you need to get. Okay, the mindset is always awesome. And that's where, uh, and these applications like WebGoat, I think WebGoat is a bit old now, but you can also use Juice Shop, juiceshop.com, I guess. Yeah, juiceshop.com. You can work on them as well, WebGoat, and even the older ones. So I think that's good, but I would, say hack this site is better. And the next question, how does one proclaim himself to be a white hat or a gray hat hacker? Are there some certification or conditions that one needs to qualify to? All right, so great. Let me, so guys, if you did not know, I, I was just start from uh, basics here. Now, there are three types of hackers, actually different ones. I started as script kitty. And then the second one, I was a black hat hacker. Then I became a white hat guy, right? And then, now this is a gray hat. I will tell you more about gray hat thing. Now the black hat are the ugly guys. Now the strip kiddies are someone who can be, they're usually uh, black hat guys because they're kiddies. And uh, black hat are the ones who are, uh, they hack into our system and they use the information for their own personal gains. 
for instance, they are not here to help you, but they are, uh, for instance, what I used to do by hacking my friends' accounts was black hat because I used to give information to their girlfriend or their ex-girlfriend or something, whoever was spying on them. That was black hat, but with a mix of script hidden and skills as well. Now the white hat is usually what we call as ethical hacker. Now ethical hacker is a confusing word to me because there are a lot of challenges with the semantics of the language. And white hat hacker usually in the industry means ethical hacker, like a security tester, penetration tester, and all these guys. So black hat, bad guys. White hat, good guys. But there can be white hat guys in your company who are rogue insiders. There's a gray area there as well because they are stealing some information and they are still called the white hat guys. And uh, gray hat are someone, for instance, what industry believes in gray, gray hat is, this hacker hacks into someone's like some software without their permission or without informing them and no explicit permission here and they and does a hack and also writes an email to them saying hey look okay you have a security bug here and then they fix them right and this can be a gray hat but in some countries this is illegal so don't think that gray hat, okay, I'm helping these companies, okay, it should be good, let me do this. But in some countries, you need to understand the laws. Uh, every jurisdiction by countries or your geographical, uh, I mean, location, okay, it, it can change again and again. So keep, be up to date with the laws and then follow what you want to do with them. So gray hat, I, I I don't think so. There is something called as gray hat because gray hat can still be white hat and it can be black hat as well. Or sometimes you are gray hat, sometimes you are black hat. So let's only talk about the gray hat and the black hat. I mean, sorry, black hat and white hat. Black hat are against us. So that's what white hats are fighting against. And gray hat, gray hat are like our friends sometimes, but it can be illegal. So I think that's clear. Now, speaking about how do you publicly announce that you are a white hat or a gray hat. If you are working in an organization and your intentions are really good and you have skills to find the security vulnerabilities in an application and report to your security company, I mean, your company, then I think, okay, you can just say you are a white hat because when I was a kid, I did not have any certifications. And even today, I don't have certification. I do have CEH, okay? certified ethical hacker but i think i took that exam and what i felt nothing <laughs> it's, it was just like multiple choice questions without even hands-on approach and i was like are you serious and and they were outdated questions sometimes and i did not feel good about it why i did it was to see what are these guys doing because i just wanted to see i was curious well i spent around 30000 indian rupees for that well i don't mind about it because i like learning sometimes like in a crazy ways i wouldn't appreciate the ceh but if you want to really uh 
it depends on your intent, whether you want to get a job or whether you want to get a client from some companies, because some corporates say that you need to have this kind of CISSP or COM, COM TIA plus security or OSC, I think OSCP, which is Offensive Security Certified Professional. I think OSCP is really good. I'm not speaking here about certification, but I'm speaking OSCP is a certification, but why I like them is there is real hands-on approach and the kind of challenges they have to pass this exam is brilliant. And and I, if I have to choose, I have to tell you between CEH and OSCP, I think OSCP is something that you may want to go ahead with because CEH, not worth it, guys. Even for the basics, no, it's not basics at all. It's crap. But for jobs, it may be good. But I don't have OSCP, but I can do all these uh, attacks like privilege escalations, okay, be it uh, you are binaries, reversing the binaries and all those things, you are APK files, a shitload of things. But no, certifications, not necessarily, if you want to proclaim yourself of white hat, gray, white hat or gray hat or black hat, go ahead, as long as you have skills, just tell it. And people used to, and without having all these big name certifications, I have a reputation as a security expert well, people call me expert, but I am still learning, learning, learning. That's how I keep learning more things and adapting to new changes because I, I'm passionate about it. So certifications, OSCP is good if you really want to do it. Does it help? Yes, it helps uh, with skills as well because of the challenges OSCP has. And also it also helps you with the job as well to get you are higher pay if you are keen on the higher pays as well. So that's great. Let me take a break for a while, guys. Give me 15 seconds. I'll drink some water. A lot of talking. My dog is looking at me, thinking, what is this guy doing, screaming all over here? So uh, I think I spoke good enough about white hat or black hat. There are no conditions about how, why you need to call yourself white hat or black hat, because there are no conditions for you to call yourself as a human, just if you are a human. So just do it. I, I, okay, so I just want to make this point. I get a lot of clients who write to me, even though I don't hold certifications. They come to me saying, okay, we are coming to you because of your skills. I may not get many clients, but I'm happy with the clients that I get, and there are many. So that's the thing. And I'm also invited by many people, uh, wherever there are a class action lawsuit, whenever there are data breaches or something, and uh, some lawyers are fighting uh, against these uh, corporates. They call me to perform the investigation about what these, are the claims really right? Whatever these corporates are making, they are like saying, 
hey, look, okay, we had all the security measures. That's why we were up-to-date systems. Then what I do is I investigate their uh, platform. And then I tell them, hey, look, you are lying. Because you, on this date, you never had these upgrades. That's why you got hacked. And they're like, oh, my God. So that's why uh, I also uh, uh, get involved in this class action lawsuit. And as a lawyer, as a technological lawyer, that's what I do. And also moving on to the next question, which open source security testing tools would you recommend based on your experience and ease of usage? Okay. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's a nice question that I hear a lot in uh, many forums like Stack Exchange or I mean Stack, Stack Overflow or uh, many other discussion forums. But if you really want to be a security tester, the intelligent or smart security tester, I would say get to those tools. Maybe, okay, I mean, in, in terms of usability, I get it, but also some tools like on GitHub or packetstormsecurity.com, there are many files which are written in Python. And when you start running them, you say, okay, Python space, okay, give the file name. It says so many errors, right? And then you are like, holy shit, okay, this is crap. Okay, I'm scared of these errors because it's the first time and I don't know how to debug them. That's where you start saying, okay, let me use this tool. But maybe this Python program, which we got it from the PacketStorm security files category, was brilliant in scanning some things. But just you, it's just that, okay, you saw many errors and you were like, okay, you got scared. But it's just the dependencies in Python. What you need to do is, okay, you need to install the, those dependencies and then that Python program works. You, you, need, to in, you need to start learning about pip or uh, apt get install or pip install. Pip is a program that you can use. Pip install these dependencies, pip install these dependencies and read documentation, guys. Why you get so many errors and you get scared is because most of us hate documentation. I mean, I'm not speak, speaking about test cases. Uh, well, I hate test cases. I follow something different in terms of the exploratory testing approach using session-based uh, testing and mind maps and also using my own way of documenting things wherever it is required, not wasteful documentation. So hold on, maybe security testing tools, you can use a lot of them. And what I would appreciate is, uh, why don't you install Kali Linux? Go to kali.org. There are a lot of open source tools in that. All you can do is you need to become great with command line. All you want is, okay, I need user interface. No, all you will be doing is the same thing over and over again and again. Then you will say, I'm bored. Like how you say, I'm bored with testing, but testing is not boring. The way you do it is boring. If someone shows you a craft, okay, because testing is a craft that we are in, and someone says testing is boring, and so uh, it just means, okay, it's the way you do it is boring. The way I do it is boring because I don't know many things which other testers are doing. How many people use the console in your web developer tools? 
how many of you can just extract all the uh, links from your page using just three lines of code in our web console because we hate that anything we see in console what is this okay this is this is known as web developer tools it's not called as test tools no just the name doesn't scare you okay you can still go ahead and use them and kali.org has a lot of tools you can also go to tools.kali.org there are many tools and you will be surprised that oh my god there are so many things i can use using just your python program and for instance okay you wanted to list all the subdomains of a specific website let's say flipkart.com right now if you are going to hack something you need to know what are what are the subdomains it has maybe even the people who work in flipkart don't know about these so many domains right you can use a, a python program called a sublist 3r and just run it on flipkart.com or any host it will list all the subdomains and maybe sometimes it says customers.flipkart.com right i mean i'm not saying they have that but there you say oh what what is this page now maybe i can hack into this and get list of all the customers isn't that amazing so kali.org i use burp suite extensively speaking about the tools but burp suite is a free it's a freeware but also you have a commercial version I use a commercial version, the Burp Suite Pro, because the Pro version has a lot of plugins. If you go to B App Store, you can install a lot of plugins, and that will just add a lot of power, the add-ons to your Burp Suite in terms of scanning as well. Uh, someone asked me the question about how do you work with Selenium, like Zap Proxy or Burp Suite, and then bind it with Selenium. I think it's, you can use both because uh, how, how, how do you decide? I think you can decide based on one of the factor, which is about B App Store because Burp Suite has a lot of add-ons and they are working a lot of, uh, working on a lot of add-ons because people can contribute to it. You can write your own add-on and put it on B App Store. So as it's more active community, I would say you can use both suite, combine it with your Selenium, but all it's doing is scanning. Whenever you configure your Selenium, okay, you speak to the proxy, which is your both suite, you are running all the checkers. I wouldn't call it as testing, but start using something like curl commands where you can write or even starting from Postman as well. Postman allows you to directly interact with your APIs. I think that's where you guys need to use multiple things. One thing will never solve everything for you because there is no one medicine for every disease on this planet. And security testing is something the black hat hackers every day have. Uh, they're coming up with the new attacks and uh, you have a next OWASP top 10 for 2019 because now this top 10 keeps changing. It doesn't mean that okay, it's top 10 because it's scary. It just means maybe tomorrow the 10th, the top 10th one, maybe top first one because there are more number of hacks using the top 10th attack. And guys, if 
like I was saying, hackers would you if one tool used to solve all of our security problems, then I think there wouldn't be any problems on this planet in security, right? Why would we why would we see some hacks every day if one tool used to solve everything? No, it's about the mindset. Black hat hackers are using multiple things. They're, they are not even using tools. They're coming up with then ideas and then implementing by using different set of tools, many tools, and interconnecting them with their coding. And someone spoke about, do you need a programming experience for uh, uh, hacking? Not necessarily. You can be great at social engineering and still not know any programming language. It's OK. And you can still hack applications looking into your requests and responses in your network tab. Uh, uh, go, I mean, again, your developer uh, tools in your Chrome, click on those three dots in a vertical way, go there, click on more tools, go to web developer tools, click on network tab, you will see all the network requests going ahead. And whenever you see a request going to a server, and let's say you're setting a date of birth, date of birth, DOB, there's a value inside uh, your uh, request. Just change it to 32 January 1991. Maybe it says successfully submitted to the database. But on the client side, in your page, if you try to enter it from the user interface, you're entering 32, it says invalid. Now that's because your JavaScript is stopping it. Doesn't mean that your server will stop it. Now this is about client-side validation and server-side validation. Just client-side is not going to help you. Server-side, even if you bypass from here, your server-side needs to say, hey, look, I'm not allowing you, even if you bypass the client-side, which is just a JavaScript. So there are a lot many things you can do it from there, not necessarily need a programming thing. But if you know programming, what it, where it helps you is linking different things. For instance, running all your checks from your Selenium or running all your checks from your Python script or saying, I want to scan all the subdomains and all the subdomains, wherever it has a keyword, admin, anything that has an admin, I want my code to give me the list of it. When it gives me the list, I would say, oh, this it just helps you out of 100 subdomains it just creates a fine list for you. That's where you may want to have a programming experience and also understanding about the JSON requests or how people are writing uh, the functions in JavaScript can, can help you sometimes or knowing the regular expressions. Not necessarily need to become great at programming, but even if you become great at programming, it just adds value as a hacker. So to do hacking, not necessarily you need it because there are multiple ways you can do great hacking without programming experience. Many people say you need a programming experience, everything. It's just that because they don't want you to get into security testing, I guess. But I think I think it's it's once you start with the baby steps, I think you will reach there. It's not scary at all. All you need is brain exercise and understanding how things work, understanding human psychology understanding how thieves work, understanding the psychological expressions, understanding your software. For instance, if I ask you, 
how many people know robots.txt file? Not many of you know it, right? And there is a hack inside robots.txt file because whenever you have a root slash website name flipkart.com or example.com slash robots.txt. Now this robots.txt is a file which is used by your Google engine, I mean Google spiders, search engine spiders like Yahoo, Bing, Baidu, or Bing, anything. Now this, this is where you allow, disallow, and allow uh, keys. Disallow means you're telling the search engine, hey look, don't crawl this link. I don't want this to be listed on search engine like my profile slash my account. It doesn't make sense to uh, show it on your Google search results because people will click on it and they will be asked to log in. It's only for logged in guys. So they have to log in, so it doesn't make sense. But sometimes people say disallow slash admin. Now that's a bug here. What you are helping me from your robots.txt file that, wow, there's admin page here. And once I go to slash admin, there it says username, password, submit button. And it's ironic that sometimes on the user login, you have a captcha to stop the automated attacks. And when I go to admin, it says username, password, no captcha. Wow. That's interesting now because you were so much user focused that, okay, you forgot about your own business, the admin panel. And so to stop this, why are you even having the admin page open to the whole web? Have restrictions like IP restrictions. Okay, this have to come only from this IP range slash admin, only then we show this page. And have a multi-factor, like a two-factor uh, two authentication or a multi-factor authentication for the admin pages because that's where your business is. Okay, guys, hold on. Let me go back to this. I, 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 just, I just lost where we were. Okay, tools. We were under the tools. Bob Suite Pro, okay, we use that. Okay, Nikto scanners and many other tools. Kali is the best one. It also has Bob Suite. Use all of them. It has a decoders, base64, okay, we're trying to decrypt many encryptions as well. You have a lot of them. So Kali.org is, it's like Kali, the goddess, right? Okay, with the many hands, with the weapons. That's why you call it as Kali.org. I mean, Kali Linux. Now, do you need? Do we need to inform organization before attempting an ethical hack? Is risk free to do so without their consent? I think I kind of answered this with the gray hat concept, but I will still answer this. Uh, in my experience, I have done hacks, and I continue to. I mean, I have done, and I recently as well, and even before without uh, the permission or without even informing them. And that's because uh, I knew where I need to stop. If I, I wouldn't do denial of service attacks and then say, hey, look, okay, you have a DDoS attacks here. Doesn't make sense because I'm affecting their business. That's why DDoS kind of attacks, not cool. Then probably you would want to even, I mean, then inform or get a, explicit permission from them, written permission via email or even a hard copy, get it from them. But if you you were just testing your own account, right? You were doing a cross-site scripting on your own attack, I mean, own account, which doesn't deal with many other people. 
I think that's cool enough. You need to know how the separations are done, like roles, authorization of different roles. You need to learn the architecture of an application, anyone, anything. So just try attacking your own account because it's not gonna affect the business. It's not going to affect any other people. For instance, if you found a hack on Facebook, the cross-site scripting exists on a, a wall, like a feeds, right? Whenever you log in, you see all the feeds from your friends. Let's say there was a cross-site scripting. That is scary now. If you did that, that may be illegal because you're affecting all the users, whoever are your friends or whoever comes to your wall, I mean, uh, your feeds. Once they open the feed, because your post is there, which is injected by cross-site scripting, and you are attacking everyone. So I think you need not even inform. Some people can get scared when you say, okay, you have a, a security bug here. Some people say thank you, and some people reward you like a bug bounty, and some people don't give a shit. There, there are many people, many corporates to whom I have reported these bugs, which are really crazy, and they don't give a damn. And that's where it's scary as a planet, as people of the whole planet that what are we speaking about this artificial intelligence? Uh, that looks more scary to me. Just my belief and my opinion. Like someone said, nothing is 100% secure. Yeah, exactly. Someone says 100% secure, we are safe. It's a joke. Because things keep changing every now and then. And moving on to the next question, I hope I have informing. It's not mandatory, it's not required. It depends on uh, the company. It depends on the culture of the company. You can just tell them, people will thank you. And some people welcome uh, uh, hackers to say, you can report this to uh, our website with this email. So they're good guys, they're bad guys, they're egoistic guys, they're everyone. You need to just do your due diligence before you do any hacks. I just follow my instincts and my experience. That's how I do it but also know the laws. But sometimes your inner guidance will tell you, even though there are laws, my intentions are good, and I'm trying to help them because I care for the users. You can be the Edward Snowden of people and then help them. And also have a better case. If you are in the court of law, someone uh, presses charges, I mean, someone is pressing charges on you, in the code of law, okay, you'll be arrested, okay, or you are asked to come in the code of law, have a better story. And that comes with experience. And how, how does the experience come? Test everything, okay, test, test uh, different things, okay, think about it, and then you know how to deal with it. Moving on to the next question. I'm going practically in today's industry, there's a lot of hype in security testing, automation, etc and not that of human tester manual tester so on a career say on a career side is it safe to be human tester and also can you share some basic tips to cast security threats in a web application which can be covered in our day-to-day -day testing good human tester okay human tester is a uh, Okay, there's no human doctor, okay? 
so it, it's a doctor i i think okay there is we cannot take human out of testing that's my thing there is no threat the day when people are moving to automation and they say devops now devops is a hype now devops to me it doesn't fix testing what it's trying to do is okay it's basically speeding your process and not necessarily being fast means great because you can have a nitro boosters in your car you are going faster but your wheel right or your engine cannot handle it it's not solving your engine problem what you are trying to do is okay you're trying to fix the windshield of your car when you have a problem with the engine that's what but the windshield looks faster, right? Okay, it's, it's cleaning fast. Now, DevOps is about, okay, you know about your bash scripting, okay, you are doing a continuous deployment, okay, your continuous integration, continuous delivery, all these big words, right? So, so these things are not. Human is testing to me, okay? Humans, you cannot take them out of the equation. You, you will be there. It's not something scary, okay? First of all, we need to stop thinking about it and supporting those people who say, oh, you testers won't be there after so many years. And I'm like, I'll wait and watch and I will prove you wrong. That's the kind of confidence you need to have. And also the automation, it's again checking. Uh, you can learn automation, that's up to you. It may help you in checking, but what I find interesting is having a diversified skills in your team. If really someone is good at skills and someone who is coming to me and saying, testing is boring, I would say, have you used a console? Have you used a robots.txt file? Have you ever looked into the JavaScript code, regex expression, to find a bug there? And everyone said no. Isn't testing beautiful? It just meant, okay, you haven't explored a lot. You can go to a, a, a sea beach and you just say, you're seeing it on the map, like maps.google.com. Ah, it's just blue, right? It's, it's kind of boring. But once you are in a ship, once you go scuba diving, okay, the way you see all those different animals there, you are like, wow, it's such a great exploration. Okay, I feel so happy. That's the thing about testing. I would appreciate people stop using this manual keyword at all it's just tester testing and and going on to the next question the same i mean in the same question uh, how can i test basic tips to catch security threats now i have some things here you can always start with questioning uh, to seek answers and you may get a lot of information and uh, you can start seeing security bugs in the information which were found in the answers so the questions can be, you can go to a developer or the product manager and tell them, ask them, do we have any security measures implemented in our application? And that could be scary for them. Okay, where is this person coming from? And if yes, what are those? And if we haven't, why not? And that information can help you a lot. Why are you even testing for security? Okay, whenever uh, people tell you that, okay, we don't have security measures. And that's a, that's the highest bug. Okay, it's not even testable. 
And then the other question can be if we are using any third party APIs or third party scripts or application integration, are they all up to date? So remember uh, the tiny MCE editor where I hacked into admin panel because the, the tiny MCE had a security bug and that version was outdated. They had not upgraded their uh, 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 the application. That's why we had cross-site scripting. And the next question could be, are you doing input, input encodings on all different components like HTML encoding, JavaScript, server-side database input encoding? And, and if you are using Android, some questions can be like, are we using uh, SSL pinning? And are we using obfuscation like ProGuard? ProGuard is outdated, guys. If you are using the default ProGuard in Android app, Stop using that. I think the other one, which is the commercial one, is a Classmaster, starting with K, not C. And there are multiple questions, like what database are we using and why? And how are we storing sensitive data like passwords, credit card numbers in our database? Are we hashing them or they are plain? Or are we encrypting them? Why are we having admin? Uh, like admin slash, I mean slash admin URL accessible to the whole world. Shouldn't we have restrictions, or who can access the URL? What's the maximum length of the password? Why is there a minimum length of a password, which is six characters? I think six characters can be hacked easily. Why don't we have a password restrictions in terms in terms of you need to have a special character, or you need to have a lowercase uppercase? Why don't we have them? Why don't we have captcha? Or can I know how is OAuth implemented in our application? Or maybe also you can run scanners, like scanners like uh, uh, securityheaders.io. You just need to enter your application's uh, URL. And also you can use Bob Suite. You can use a Bob Suite scanner, which will tell you, okay, what are the different kinds of uh, checks is performing and it will give, and also it gives you false positives, but it's good to go. Just take the dump of the uh, list and just send it to your developers. I think this should be solved. And that's one of the tip. You can start with, uh, uh, what do you say? Questioning is always the great thing. And also use OWASP cheat sheets. Uh, that can really help you. And also guys, start using your web developer tools that's a basic test for instance does your input fields like uh, uh username password or first name last name last name have max length attribute now this can be confusing to you guys if you don't know max length what is max length where is it coming from this the max length is an attribute in your html tag which comes under your input tag so it says, first name says 20 is a maximum character, right? And what you, all you need to do is right click on that field, go to inspect. Once you click on inspect, you, your input will be highlighted. You will also see a max length. What you do is remove that attribute from there and enter more than 20 characters and see whether you can, you can set more than 20 characters as a first name. You can do it for all the fields now. And that's, to me, that's a basic uh, thing, but also it can be complex as well, where you can just 
entered thousands of characters through first name or all the fields and maybe slow, maybe make your database slow. That's kind of a denial of service in terms of data dumping the data and maybe crashing some applications. That's a test. And that's a, that's one. And also start using uh, your security tab in uh, web developer tools. It tells you some of the bugs like, okay, your security uh, certificate is not really installed well. Uh, you need to fix this, you need to fix that, okay. And watch out for the console error messages. They're always cool once you start debugging them and investigating them. So these these are some kind of uh, tips that I can give you. And moving on to the next question, guys, I will be here. Uh, I don't get tired, so hold on. Moving on, what will be the security test cases for? Forgot password endpoint. Okay, so let me do one thing. Forgot password. I'm not going to speak a lot on this. I'm just going to share a mind map probably. Let me try, oops. Just a moment, guys. I'm trying to find the forgot password because I don't want to spend more time over it. I'm just come. Oh my God, oh my God. Ankur Pandey, uh, I want to make it up. Uh, guys, I will, I will just, okay, here's the thing, the forgot password. I cannot comment here, I guess. Cannot even post because I have to reply to someone's comment. Mahesh, can you just uh, write your latest comment so that I reply with a mind map URL there? Forgot password, everyone has a forgot password. What you need to do is once you get the URL, you need to see whether you have a long token there. How are you? Uh, like reset URL and uh, see whether it's alphanumeric, lowercase, uppercase, or it's just alphabets like six digits, or I mean digits or six alphabets. That's weak now. And also try using the same link again and again. Click on the link, go first and say, okay, once you set the password, does it expire or it doesn't expire? That can be one more test idea. And the next one would be once you reset the password, I mean, use a reset password URL, or you don't use it, when does it expire? Or it's like long live forgot password URL for years. That's a bad one again. So uh, if you can go to, you can just search for forgot password, Santosh Tupad mind map on Google search you will get a mind map, maybe the second link or first link. So you can go there and look at many test ideas. And also you have forgot password test ideas on OWASP chat cheat sheet. So you can refer it to there. So I won't be repeating a lot of them. 
but forgot password uh one of the okay i would like to explain one of the experience that i had with a forgot password and this was mintra.com guys and i hope you all know mintra.com in india so i was the guy who hacked anyone's account on mintra.com by just just knowing their email address how did i do it i'll tell you what i okay i'm gonna reply the mind map here probably oh for some reason i cannot comment at all here anyways uh i'll just do it in the end so forgot password what happened was mintra.com what i did was i used my friend's email address once i did that uh no sorry hold on i used my own email address and it said hey look okay the password url has been sent to your email inbox so i go to my email inbox i click on that url the url has a long list token equals to a 16 character alphanumeric special characters very good right i click there and i come to mintra.com slash reset password and it's also doing a validation uh, uh, for something and on the first field it said my email address santosh.tupo.gmail.com that was read only field it's not editable okay it's only read only field and then the next field is password and the next one is confirm password so what i did was i was just curious to see let me change this email address of mine which is read only to my friend's account who is also a customer of mintra.com now people would say well you have a read only field you can't type in guys now remember i spoke about web dev tools right on the client side and the server side what i did was right click inspect on that field which was a read only field and there was an attribute called as read only i just click on that double click remove that and now it becomes a editable field i enter my friend's email address there enter the password and the confirm password submit and i log in using my friend's email and the password that i set for him wow i could go inside his account i could do this for any mintra user i reported it to them they were scared at first are you blackmailing us i said no i'm helping you so if you need help negotiate with me i'm not even asking you anything and the cto i think the bunsel or someone okay he thanked me for helping him so that was a mintra hack so it's not only about the tokens but you have to be creative you need to watch how your fields are on the page and question everything what happens but if you never know about web dev tools you would never be creative to right click on inspect you are just one click away from a great hack right click right so a great hacks are not necessarily okay very complex or something great hacks can be simple but our brain always thinks, okay, we need to think complex. No, simple is better than complex sometimes, and complex is better than complicated, just like the Zen of Python programming. So that's about forgot password. 
I would go back to our questions. Is it necessary to be familiar with programming languages and SQL or SQL, like some people call, to begin with security testing? Oh, I think we all, I already answered it in my, uh, in, in the other questions as well, I covered it. Now someone spoke about cross-site request forgery attacks, how to bypass them. Now, uh, okay, I, before I answer this question, okay, for those people who don't know about XSRF attacks, okay, you may want to do the reading, but I'm answering this question, I mean, answering this only to that specific person. XSRF attacks, so what XSRF attacks does is, you have a cookie value, and, someone can just go and steal this cookie value. Let's say that, let's assume they are stealing this cookie value. And then once they steal it, they go uh, to a different computer and use that cookie value to log into the other person's session. Now that's called a session hijacking to the cookie value. Now, XSRF attacks uh, can be, it's basically you are forging. Now, to avoid certain attacks like that, session hijacking, and use XSRF tokens, basically to stop a mix of XSS, which leads to XSRF, or in other ways as well. So XSRF attacks can be stopped by XSRF tokens, but, and they're called as CSRF tokens in your HTTP headers, or you're passing it in your HTML, um, in, the, in the server, to the server side. Now, this CSRF token, some people change it for uh, a session. Let's say my session stands for five minutes. This CSRF token is same all these five minutes. That's not a good one. What you need to do is you need on every request, on every click of the request to the server, you need to refresh your token, a new CSRF token. That, that's one of the way we stop the bad guys from hijacking. Once they hijack your token, it's a new request, and you already have new token now, CSRF. And these guys will not be able to use your token. Uh, if, if, if you're not doing uh, I mean, new token on every request, getting the CSRF token, the old one, you can still bypass, you're not bypassing them, but during that five minutes window or half an hour window, you can access the session of others. That's one way. That's why to uh, have a defense mechanism against it, we use a CSRF token and keep refreshing on every new request and making it highly impossible for an attacker or a, a black hat hacker or any hacker. Uh, I mean, you are basically demotivating. And speaking about demotivation, guys, just try to demotivate the hackers. If you have certain security mechanisms or controls in your application, it, it, it basically pisses off the hackers. They're like, oh shit, I don't want to hack this application. But even if your uh, application user interface or functional bugs can give a great hints to black hat hackers because they understand the culture of your programmers. They're like, 
oh, I think these guys are not even writing a good functions for these functional uh, aspects in my profile page. They're buggy. And when the functional bugs can be, I mean, so buggy, <laughs> I think your security bugs, okay, you don't even have security. And that's when that motivates them. So functional bugs, find non-obvious functional bugs, not the similar way, go do, do this, do that, okay, I have this. Go beyond your obvious ones. Now, I think I have covered my Google Doc where I had stored some questions. Now let me look into your chat, I mean, the comments section here. But is it now traceable somewhere? Are you doing changes from your machine? How will you care, care about it? I don't understand this question. Can you just please help me what is it about? But is it now traceable somewhere as you are doing changes from your machine? Okay, got it. I think probably you are thinking that the company is tracking me. Is that right? If you, uh, Let me assume that that's what you are asking. Well, that's what makes you okay you need to ask your programmers uh, are you having the logs on do you have the logs on like what kind of uh, changes i mean are we looking into and from which ip address and are we tracking certain changes like if someone sends us cross-site scripting are we having a alert or something i mean it depends on the company. I'm not sure, okay, if, if that's the question. But anyways, I'll wait, okay, if you can just rephrase that question. Okay, she's talking about the VPN, okay. I, I don't know if she's talking, okay. How are, as you are doing the changes from your machine? Okay, I'll mix uh, the question, the answer from Ankur Pandey and Jyotsna Patil. Well, you can use the VPNs to keep yourself behind the scenes. But there sometimes people can really track you really, I mean, well, if you are dealing with the government agencies, I think they have every way because they have a sophisticated software to track you. I think if you are dealing with FBI or CIA, they will track you down for sure. I guess because they have more sophisticated, but there can be there are hackers I guess who go beyond it, and they still do it. The VPNs are good, but but if you are hacking some companies like who don't have a sophisticated software, you can use VPN and hide yourself. There are different software like uh, behind the scene or hide my ass. There are many other VPNs, free ones, commercial ones, where you can set your IP to any other country's IP. But they'll be tracking all these IPs and looking into them. And any idea about how to find, I hope I answered your question. Any idea how to find security bugs in operating system and tools? Ah. Oh. Any idea about how to find security bugs in operating system and tools used for it? I can't give a straight answer to this. Okay, like tools, okay, what tools do you use? 
depends on what you are trying to do. Are you trying to upload a shell with your web application and get the root access? Or you are trying to exploit uh, a Windows operating system, like privilege escalation? You need to have a great practice and thinking, like multiple number of tools, OK? Like be it decoders, OK, starting from Base64 decoders to Dirtbuster is one of the tools, okay, which will give you a lot of directories in uh, it scans for the directories. And there are huge and uh, doing the binaries or your overflow exploitation. But for all this, you also need a skill. You need to understand the buffer overflows and memory leaks. And I, I can't I can't really answer uh, I mean in a in a in a way that okay how to find a security box, privilege escalation, okay, and the buffer overflows and memory leaks, how you can, they're not the direct security bugs, but it depends on how you exploit them and what threat they can pose. And in the operating system, I think you need to understand a lot about Windows hooks, depends on what operating system you are speaking about, Windows or Android or iOS or multiple flavors. I'm really sorry, but I think, okay, that needs a kind of discussion. And this question is very straightforward and very high level to me to get there. Going for almost two hours, no stop. Thank you, Nikita. That's kind. Yeah, I can go for eight hours, <laughs> so no stop. You did not answer the question. Uncle Pandey, when you say you did not answer my question, can you please repeat your question just by pasting it because it helps me not scrolling it back. I'm going back. Uh, I want to make it to top 300 in the bug crowd. I'm on top 600. What thing I fo should I focus on? The, is that our question? Uh, I I can't really help you to get you on three hundred until I, unless I know the well I know the CEO of Buck Crowd but I can't tell him to put you on top three hundred but I get your question okay what do you need to do I think probably you're on top six hundred uh, the Buck Crowd usually works on there are some people who get invited I think. You need to write some scripts with a bug crowd and alert you whenever there are new projects and find the bugs as early as you can. And if you are placed on a different timestamp before someone else, I think you are going to make it to top 300. That's the thing about crowdsourcing competitions. Like they release the project and there are some people, there are hackers on the bug crowd or other crowdsourcing and they find some bugs earlier than you and they get rewarded. and then they say, this guy found it before. I think that's the one. And also probably uh, get deeper about extending your skills to many other attacks or being, uh, combining your social engineering because not many hackers go to the social engineering concept. But also when you report your security bugs, make sure your report is awesome. I, I know why your bugs get rejected sometimes uh, uh, when you report them because you're not focusing on the risk. 
They're just saying, hey, look, here is a bug. And your managers or your leads say, so what? And you need to explain the risk and what may happen, what could happen, and what's the loss. And they would be like, okay, this looks like a risk. Okay, we, we should fix this. That's the thing. We'll probably have to stop the questions here, probably, as it's almost two hours until she's answering. But yeah, we can have a question in comments or previous posts. And he may see if he gets opportunity to answer in the text later. Okay, that's I am working with Python. Okay, that's that's good, Ankur. Uh, with the Python, you can also use. I hope you are using the request module, or the package in Python. That really helps you very much. And also, you can use the regular regex expressions to identify what you are finding in the projects and then alert you send an email using your SMTP mailers. Okay, I'm just scrolling guys, just hold on. Mahesh, is it okay because I'm excited to answer these questions? Is it okay? Just say yes. I mean, you can say no, but just say yes. <laughs> Great. Okay, that's good going on, Ankur. Uh, let me scroll, scroll, scroll. Which language binding do you use for your security tests? I use Python. Uh, well, we can do it with the Ruby as well, but Python has, we call it a, the cheat shop. So, uh, the cheese shop is nothing but your modules. There are many libraries where you can just import them and play around and then add them in your functions. It's, it's, it's a powerhouse of doing anything that you want to. Even in Selenium, I use Python uh, to write my functions and use the regex expressions. There is no limit to Python and also it's my preference. Well, you can also do it in Java programming language and everything is just my uh, language of preference. And I use Python with a lot of libraries for uh, security checks. I won't say security tests, but checks. All I'm doing is checking, not testing, because testing is something, uh, investigation, thinking aspects or debugging and getting your head like this, scratching, right? That, that, that's what testing is to me. And all right, okay, I'm just, Nikto, Nikto scanners are, Nikto scanner is good as well. You can use Nikto scanners and also, you can uh, connect Nikto to some of the scripts that you can write in Python. I don't know, human interviewing always be required. Automating is making your manual task easy. Yes, it's automating is making your repetitive tasks easier. It's making it faster. And while your brain can focus on much challenging things. And all right, I think I'm gonna stop here, guys. Angular. Okay, so hold on, I see more questions. <laughs> Angular 1 slash 4 seems to be easier to manipulate with PHP. Any comments? 
I don't know about uh, PHP. Uh, I use a lot of Python. Uh, Angular, no, no comments on that, but I can totally help by uh, learning more about it and then we can talk about it. So, sure, just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Any experience you can share related to Payment Gateway? Interesting, yes. Uh, I have an interesting thing about it. Now, uh, what I did when, uh, it, I think this was when I was in 20 or 90, sometime those times, I was booking uh, a ticket, uh, a movie ticket uh, online. And what I did was, I had a LAN cable, the RJ45 jack. And I go to online, I think this was in 20 sometime, 25, I don't remember. Anyways, RJ45 jack. And once I uh, go to checkout page, I click, I use my debit card. I mean, well, I did not have my debit card or I use my bank account details. And I click on submit checkout and I have kept my uh, Fiddler. Now Fiddler is again an interceptor, just like Bob Suite, but it just shows you a lot of different requests where you can fiddle with some of the things. What I did was I added a breakpoint between two requests. The first request was once I submit the checkout on the checkout page, it sends a movie ticket because my debit card details are fine. It sends a movie ticket. And then second request is, it deducts the money from my bank account. But what I did was, once this request was done, I used to unplug the RJ45 jack, and the second request fails now. I get a movie ticket. My money doesn't go anywhere. And that's how I can go and watch a movie. Now, there's a payment gateway problem as well, but also application coding. The application did not have a better request positioning. That was a payment gateway. And also when you are on checkout page, you can just right click, go back to that inspect element, change 100 US dollar to one US dollar and submit it. And maybe you get all the products to your home and you ended up only paying one US dollar. It's hard though, but it has been possible. You can also change, different uh, uh, post data requests from there. Now going back, scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oops, I can't scroll more. 175 comments. Okay, any, any, anything just new? Okay, I get any, any difference in scanning the AUT from the choice of browser? Mozilla Nightly, Chrome Canary, or Tor browser? I think scanning for, what do you mean by AUT here? Do you mean like user testing or what do you mean? Because there could be many uh, different full forms of AUT. 
I I don't know what you're trying to ask Mozilla Nightly, Chrome, Canary. Uh, well, there are many different of different browsers. Uh, application under test. Ah, this is the main testing terminology. AUT. Uh, scanning the application. I think it can be different, but probably where Bob Suite only engages a lot easier with your Firefox. But it differs only because sometimes your browsers may add a HTTP only flag. And that time your Bob Suite may say, okay, I see HTTP only flag in X browser. So it will never give you uh, that, uh, what do you say, bug. However, you check with Fire, Firefox, okay, it says, okay, there's no HTTP only because the Firefox is not. So I think it's also good to understand how browsers work. You need to understand their engine. What are the differences between the browser? But uh, it's also a good thing uh, to test it on different browsers, which are used uh, generally in terms of modern browsers. So I think, okay, they can be different. They may be, but I haven't use a different many all the browsers so it's hard to comment on that i'm scrolling scrolling but i think mostly it's google chrome and your safari and your uh, firefox and internet explorer is people many people even though we laugh about internet explorer there are many people who are still using internet explorer they are 10, 11, and also there are many HTTP headers with secure web application like x-xss protection. Guys, uh, just if you still have a question, just paste it because I'm not, I cannot scroll it because it's getting blocked. It's not loading for some reason, and my Mac is making a lot of noise because I think it's a lot of performance. Great, should we call this off now? I think it's a good night time for you guys as well. But I'm here if you have any question. Uh, I think I have also answered uh, those two people from uh, who submitted their question on Google Forms. There is nothing called as a massive open online source. I would say what you call as MOOC, M-O-O-C. That could be your OWASP. But start, OWASP is a starting point, and not only starting, it goes to the advanced uh, subjects, but gather information from everywhere, from the web. It's awesome. Okay, yes, Navin, the blogs. Well, you can look into my blog, okay, and also you can follow me on Twitter, which is at the rate Santosh S T S A N T H O S O S H S T. And also what you can do on Twitter is just follow security hashtag. And uh you will get a lot of news from there. And blogs. Uh, Kevin Mitnick, you can also 
uh, follow him, him on LinkedIn and also to try hunt T R O Y space H U N T. His blog is amazing. And the other blog is uh, Scott Helmy. It's S C O T T H E L M E. So these are some of the blogs. I don't want to give you a lot of blogs, but these are some blogs which can be really good for you to understand. Great. Thanks for the wonderful session. Great, guys. Thank you very much, but I'm still here. All right. I will leave when all the participants go to one or zero. <laughs> Let me scroll anything. And I'm just thinking of any tips if I have. Uh, scanners. There is one more scanner called Web Securify. The W E B space S E C U R I F Y. That's also a good one. But again, all these are checkers. Get creative. Read more. Watch more. Think deeper, don't think that, okay, or thinking wrong. That's, 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 that's a thing to do. Any questions, any questions? All right. Great, Mahesh. I think uh, we should stop now. I will just disconnect in that case once I hear yes from you. One last time, Python 2.7 or Python 3.6? All right, that's an interesting question. Most of the people uh, in Selenium as well, some people say, okay, there's Python 3.6 and they intend to use 2.7 for some reasons. But I think uh, there are good reasons that you have uh, 3.6 and 2.7 as well. But I like using 3.6 because there are certain changes like syntax wise but it doesn't shake the foundation of python and 3.6 makes it still better and also if you have a code in 2 2.x uh and you want to uh write 3.x code now all you can do is okay you can use a package to convert from 2 to 3 python so i, I would say 3.6, but again, depends on what kind of functions or what kind of dunder functions. Guys, don't get confused. I'm speaking the Python language here. So what kind of functions, what kind of features the Python provides, okay, you are trying to use. Depends on that, whether you want 3.6 or 2.7. But 2.7 is as good as 3.6 if you rely on certain things without depending on the 3.6 features or uh, functions like that. You're welcome.
Thank you very much. Sure, Navin. Uh, I think my security workshops. Yeah, I, I will. I will let you know, guys. Okay, but but the only problem that I have with people is. Uh, <laughs> If you are investing in some learning, okay, workshop, I'm not speaking about my workshop, invest in the skills, okay, spend money on that. It's, it's, it doesn't mean, okay, it's too much heavy price, really. Uh, you need to know, okay, it's a return on investment. And you feel great about it. Invest, invest, learn, repeat. Invest your time, invest your money, wherever it's important. Aren't a couple of Python 2.x still stronger than Python 3.x version? I don't think so. Uh, uh, maybe, uh, I don't know. 3.x is, 2.x is subset, but some things have changed. Like, OK, it's a syntax-wise. That's what I think. But maybe you have something else which you can let me know if you get certain differences in them or stronger. I think people are, even my clients still use 3.x version now. They're not using 2.x. 3.x is always good because upgraded version, even though it's it appears that 2.x is stronger, but writing 3.x, they keep releasing different versions. I think it's always good. 3.x is still stronger, I feel. Rather than stronger, it's, Dependencies, actually. I would say my key takeaway would be it's the mindset matters more when you get into security testing rather than looking for tools and tutorials. Uh, yes, Shubham, you are right. But once you have the mindset, exploring for tools and tutorials is good, but it just it just happens very smoothly. No, nothing to worry about it because you know what to search for. And you know what? What is the right tool for your uh, activity that you need? Which is better, unit test or robot framework? Guys, hold on. This now people have this. Which is better, Selenium tests or unit tests or robot framework? I think experience for yourself. Because unit test is better as well, because some people rely on them. I think it's a preference. Someone who has worked with unit tests are biased, okay? And they would say Selenium. But some people use unit tests a lot based on company's requirement, because everyone in the team from since year one, they started using unit tests, they say unit test. But I think you just need to assess all these frameworks and see what suits you better. And I, I use unit test and Selenium and robot framework all in one. I don't mind because that's automation to me. Automation is a mindset again, like security. Most of things, everything is mindset. I never started my automation saying that I wanted to use Selenium. I wanted to use this tool, that's all. I created an automation blocks, like a diagram blueprint in my head. And now then I say, how do I connect? What are the cables I need to connect these different blocks which speak a different language? Then I need a translator. I need an interpreter, right? And that's how I used to do. So 
I, I, I don't get on with the differences or anything. I use the best of everything. Any blog you have for automation in Python? Ah, I don't refer to any one blog. I, I use almost, basically I learn Python uh, language. I, I look into a lot of documentation of functions. I refer to the python.org website. And from there, uh, I also look into the cheese shop, which is your libraries and packages. And then I use my Selenium to bind with all those libraries and be as much as creative I can be to go to the deeper automated checks for any web application or uh, anything. For instance, okay, you can use PyAutoGUI, which is just like your PyAuto, uh, AutoIt. When you use AutoIt, you can drag and drop, you can select a file upload. A PyAuto GUI can do a drag and drop. I think PyAuto GUI is by all Sigvert. That's, that's an interesting library to be used. Okay, guys, any more questions? There are still 15 people here. And, and I like it because it's uh, around probably 12.30ish in the midnight. And it looks like this is a hacker's club because the black hat guys usually think, I mean, they are the night crawlers. Well, when I say black hat, I don't mean that you have to become black hat. My experience has been different, but your experience can be different. But to be a better white hat hacker, you need to be a great black hat hacker. Remember that. Think like a black hat, guys. And then it will be great white hat. Because you know the language of black hat, then you know how to stop them. Because cops know how crime criminals think, and that's how they can stop them. I'm still doing the subdomain takeover right now. I don't get it. Uh, but anyways, good luck with that, whatever you are doing. <clears throat> are we stopping? If I don't see any question from many other members, uh, uh, in next one minute, we'll stop. Great, I think we'll stop it.
Right, Ankur. Uh, I think taking our subdomain in a website. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. So, one last question from me. Sure, please go ahead. Mahesh, we take this last question and are we, we are done? Can you please uh, confirm? Uh, please go ahead, the last question. All right. Ever attempted to distill network profile replication? What I, I, I seriously don't understand this. Ever attempted to distill network profile? I don't get it. Maybe I need a descriptive question about this. I can understand the selenium part, but what is distilled network profile? Uh, I'm glad, Mahesh, that this was really good, and I hope that people got a different uh, perspective rather than getting the same thing about security. Okay, use this tool, use that. It's not about that. So uh, I think as Debanjan is taking more time, probably we can just do it on the comment section or any other time. So I think I'm calling it a day now. Of course, night actually. So, well, this still will detect. All right, okay. I think I'm there. Got it. Guys, you know what? Okay, Facebook Live uh, maximum time is four hours, and we don't want to finish that. So, well, Distill Network detects WebDriver and blocks it. So, which means uh, you, you won't be able to use the WebDriver. That's what you are telling. I assume that that's what you are telling me. Now, what happens with the web driver or any uh, kind of script says, uh, the application tracks saying, is this from Mozilla Firefox? Is this from uh, 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 what? Okay, some bot, robot or something. Now that's how some of the applications block some of the bots from crawling their pages. Uh, Google does it sometimes. Uh, they block certain IP address. But you know what? There is, there is some way that you can still bypass it. And those could be probably the user agent string. You need to learn more about the user string and passing them in your uh, code in Selenium, whether whatever binding that you are using, and making your web browser, uh, the network feel that 
okay, this is a legit user, not a fake one. So that can be done, but it, it can be, of course, done. I do it with a Python whenever I'm crawling the pages, but I, I'm not sure if there, you are pointing to specific web driver. If it, if, if it works with a web driver, I, I mean, Python, I'm sure, okay, we can bypass with web driver. Not a big deal. It can be doable. Okay, guys, I think we had a last question. Thank you, Srinivas. It was good to have you here. And I think I'm stopping this. Mahesh, just say yes now. <laughs> I'm tired. Excited and tired. I need to play with my doggies now. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. It was really fantastic. It was amazing. And thanks, Mahesh, for arranging this and having me for your first AMA series. I would love to have more of this. And I would also like to meet people, all of you, whenever I'm in Mumbai or Pune. And let's kind of have a hackathon over a beer or even fresh fruit juice. Great. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. I assume you are waving your hand. Bye. And end live video. Cheers. Bye.